didgeridoo means it's time for the Australian News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline, December 3rd, 2021. Well, good day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 682 of the Airplane Geeks podcast. And we're going to do something a little bit different this week, Grant. It's a, uh, well, it's a sad week in many ways with the retirement from service of uh, Australia's FA-18 Hornet fleet, well, at least the A and B models. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm just come I'm on, heartbroken. Come on, I'm big fella, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't get to go and see the last displays, man. <laughs> well, after 36 years of uh, service, in fact, uh, for Australia, and uh, there's been some really uh, interesting milestones along the way, and we've got a very special guest along to talk about it. We certainly do, mate. Uh, we're blessed to have Stuart Wilson with us. Uh, I recently recorded the RAF 100th podcast for ADM with Stuart, and Stuart, you and I, we all go back quite a way. We've uh, known Stuart for many years, and uh, Stuart have uh, written a number of fantastic aviation history books for Australia and the In Australian Service series of books. Uh, also, the editor of Aero Australia, when that was being published for a rather long time, it was a brilliant magazine. And uh, also, just recently written a book specifically on the RAF 100th. So, Stuart, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Grant. Good to be here. Uh, a sad day in many ways with the classic Hornet disappearing, but uh, what a great history it's got behind us for Australia. Well, Stuart, before we go into a bit of an abridged history, because we don't have too long in this segment, Max gets very upset if we go, you know, beyond half an hour with this segment. But uh, I can't afford to pay Rob yeah. another kidney, I tell you. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, uh, well, of course, now, just this last week, we've had the Wings Over Illawarra Air Show uh, at Wollongong, just south of Sydney, where the uh, the last uh, public display was held. And uh, following that, uh, just a few days ago um, at RAF Base Williamtown, which is just up north of Sydney, uh, the uh, last uh, display was flown by uh, Group Captain Jason Easthope, much better known in the Hornet community is Eastie, and at the end of that flight, here's what he had to say. It was uh, bittersweet for me today because I'm passionate about flying and I love flying the Hornet, but it was pretty clear to me today that uh, it was coming to an end. So I was there uh, turning and burning, pulling 8G, trying to stay conscious and had a tear in my eye. Uh, it was, you know, it's a pretty tough day. And that audio there from the ABC. And i tell you what, Grant, um, Eastie has put on some of the most uh, fantastic displays over the years. In fact, uh, he's, he's sort of become synonymous with being the, the display pilot for the uh, Classic Hornets. Now, we need to talk about that. Now, Stuart, Classic Hornet or Legacy Hornet? I prefer Classic, but that doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> as, long as, we know, as long as we know what we're talking about. It's, it's the no longer here Hornet. Now, I've always liked Legacy, so I did consult David Vanderhoof this morning, and I'll just read this quote that he sent me, uh, and he says, a classic is a 57 Chevy, a Legacy is an A through D Hornet. So there you go. Of course yeah, <laughs> but remember, here in Australia, Legacy is a Veteran Support Association. So if you start calling them Legacy Hornets, that's a Veteran Support Association Hornet. Mm, doesn't quite work. Okay, so Stuart, can you take us back to the early days of the Hornet first up and uh, tell us how that all came about for Australia? Well, they started looking for a replacement for the Mirage actually in the early 70s and it went on and off and on and off for a number of years and they looked at just about everything that vaguely resembled a fighter initially, uh, the Saab Vigan, the F-15, the F-16, of course, and it came along later, the Mirage F-1 and a whole heap of other aeroplanes and it didn't start in earnest until about 1977 when they started evaluating the options properly. And at the end of the day, it came down to either the F-16 or the Hornet. And um, in October 81, they selected the Hornet for the RAAF. 
And, of course, going with that was an awful lot of industrial stuff as well because the aeroplane was going to be assembled and partly manufactured in Australia. And we ended up getting uh, 75 of them, 57 single-seaters and 18 two-seaters. And it was quite a large industrial effort, actually, because there was a whole lot of new technology involved with the Hornet because it was the RAF's first electric aeroplane, first digital aeroplane, first operated largely by computers. So a lot of Australian companies were involved in that side of it, apart from the government aircraft factories, or ASTA as it became, uh, assembling and test flying them. And Hawker de Havilland Victoria, the old CAC, was responsible for the engines, the F404 engines in the aeroplane, and they manufactured quite a large number of parts for it as time went on as well. So it was quite a big effort, and if you think about it, significant, because it was the last time a true combat aircraft was built in Australia, and probably won't we won't see that again. Uh, as you know, the first two were two-seaters, and they were built in um, the USA and flown to Australia in um, early 1985. And I was privileged to be there at Williamtown when the first two arrived, which was something a bit special. The next two, again, two-seaters, were built in the States but assembled in Australia, and then after that, um, they, the rest were assembled in Australia with increasing local content as time went on. So we actually ended up having quite a substantial input industrially to the Hornet program as it progressed. And it was running late, of course, at first, but they caught up and the last one was delivered on time and on budget in 1992, which is extraordinary in itself when you think about uh, defence programs generally these days. Mm. Yes, yes, very, very much. <laughs> which squadrons did it go into? It served with three operational squadrons, three, 77 and 75, uh, 75 squadron based up at Tyndall most of the time in the Northern Territory, of course, the other two at Williamtown and uh, the operational conversion unit at Williamtown as well. And it turned out to be an excellent choice for Australia. It, I think we've seen the proof of that over the last 36 years. The aeroplane has been constantly upgraded quite substantially, the Hornet upgrade program, uh, structural modifications done to keep it going for a lot longer than was originally planned, plus, of course, systems and weapons. So at the end of the day, we ended up even now with a legacy Hornet, which is still actually quite viable. Yeah, it's, uh, that's why I think it's a classic, because it, it's just classic that it can keep going as much as it does. So, Stuart, uh, what are some of the highlights of the Hornet's career, you might say, in, in the RAF here in Australia? We'll talk about overseas later, but here in Australia, what have been some of the, the highlight points, do you think? Well, I think the, the highlights all revolve around the fact that it has been kept viable for so long. And it's uh, also, you've got to remember too, that it's had an extremely good safety record. I think we've only lost four uh, out of the 75, and the last one of those was many, many years ago. And it was interesting comparing that to the Mirage. We lost more than 30 Mirages during its 24 years in service, and a lot of that was because it was uh, single-engined. And one of the driving factors behind selecting the Hornet was the fact that it had two engines. So if you have a single-engined fighter, you lose one, well, you lose the aeroplane, but uh, if you lose one in a Hornet, you've got another one to get home on. And I think that's been quite a a factor in the superb safety record it's had over the years. But it's 
at air shows, of course, the public saw some wonderful displays, the most recent by Eastie, of course, but you think about some of the other display pilots that's had over the years. Mark Binskin, the mm. immediate past chief of the Defence Force, James Atkinson, ACCO, Paul Simmons, uh, and people like that have been re- really top-class pilots have displayed the aeroplane to the public over the years. I got to watch, I've seen Simo do a few, and I got, got to watch uh, Slops do his one. He's now Commander Air Combat Group. Um, and his handling display appears on the uh, Tyab Air Show 2014 DVD that we produced. But it's all a, ma- it's all a matter of balance with the force. Uh, the Hornet was there when the F-111 was operating, of course, with the two of them operating side by side. And then, of course, uh, with the uh, retirement of the 111, the Super Hornets came in. So it was a pretty good combination, and uh, I think that's its main importance to Australia. It was a nice balanced force and a very effective one as well. And, of course, the type has seen combat in more recent years too, which was a pretty big step in many respects, having been deployed in uh, various theatres in the Middle East. That started in late 2001 um, as part of George W. Bush's War on Terror when we sent Hornets over to that part of the world. And then later on, of course, we were involved in combat operations um, up until quite recently and the the Hornet was uh, dropped bombs and was used for combat. I think it's the first time we had that happen since the Vietnam War. And because of all its upgrades with systems and weapons, it was able to operate seamlessly with coalition forces. And, of course, in this day and age, that's very, very important. Yeah, and kept that punching above its weight reputation by uh, being available at high rates and doing lots of missions, etc. Yeah, and it was always effective up until retirement. It was an effective aircraft for the RAAF. And I think that's probably its best legacy, if I can put it that way, uh, the fact that 36 and a half years service and it was still viable right up until the end, which is quite extraordinary if you think about it. And, of course, some of those airframes are still going to remain viable because 18 of them, I don't think all of them are going to be flying, but uh, 18 of them have been sold to the Canadians and, uh, many of those have already been converted into the Canadian spec. I don't know whether they're taking on the Canadian designation. Is it uh, F-118 or something they call it, or 188? Yes, yeah, CF-118 is the Canadian designation. I thought it was actually 25, 18 for operational purposes and 7 for spares. But uh, uh, Could be that, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm open to correction on that. I think that's what it was. Uh, basically, Canada needed something to supplement their existing Hornet force because they uh, originally ordered F-35 and then there were some political issues which put that on hold. So they needed some other Hornets to uh, maintain their uh, their forces. So they've bought ours. So our Hornets are going to be operating in Canada for quite some time yet. Well, and of course, you know, for the you know people that do love the Australian Hornet, I mean, it's not the end for the type. We still have Super Hornets and, of course, they're a vastly different beast, but uh, those aircraft will remain in service for many, many years to come. Uh, and, of course, we've got the F-35s coming on stream now. You know, it's been a, a great uh, era, hasn't it, of FA-18A and B Hornet operations here in Australia, but nothing ever lasts forever. And I think in the time Grant and I have been uh, doing this broadcasting caper, we've seen off uh, several Air Force types. So we've been to the F-111, the C-130H and oh, the Caribou, Grant. What else have we done? That's probably yep. it. And now the Both. Hornet. Now the Hornet, yep. So uh, well, let's see. I mean, probably when Grant and I are in our 90s, we'll be able to cover off the F-35 retirement. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember when they came in. <laughs> I doubt I'll be still around when that happens, but anyway, we'll we'll see how we go. But uh, in, in very quick summary, this, the Hornet, as I said before, was an excellent choice for Australia and it has served our nation superbly over the last 36 years. And it's sad to see them go, but as George Harrison said, 
all things must pass. Very true, Stuart. Thanks very much for your time. Well, folks, that's all we've got for this week's edition of the Australia Desk. We'll be back in another few weeks with another one of these. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. Southern Skies Media.